everyone. I hope you and yours are feeling healthy and well during this coronavirus pandemic. For this episode and the foreseeable upcoming episodes, the podcast is going to have a more raw and unpolished sound. Our dear friend and amazing podcast producer, Catherine, is suffering from the effects of the coronavirus. In addition, her neighborhood has been severely impacted. And as you know, we're located in the hotbed, New York State, and we are suffering over here. And unfortunately, she is suffering. So we're going to have a different sound. Please bear with us and please keep her in your thoughts. Please send good energy Catherine's way. And um, I'm sending good energy to all of you out there. All right, here's the episode. Are you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. How are you guys feeling? How are you faring in all of this? It is a really tough time. I'm sheltering in place while I'm ping-ponging between my home and my storefront. The storefront, well, we never really see much action in here. It's basically a glorified office. And it's been a really nice place to come when homeschooling because my kids need to get out of the house. And it's about a mile and a half from my house. So we do the morning time learning reading, writing, arithmetic at home. And then we have lunch. Then we take a nature walk all the way down to my office. And in my backpack, I bring things that I want to teach them. It's really been fun. I don't know if you guys have noticed this too, but the one upside to homeschooling is that I can teach them what I want them to know, what was important for me growing up or what I found as an adult that has really served me. Skills, ideas that are helpful to me and maybe will be helpful to them. Skills and ideas that I wish I had when I was in second and third grade. 
So the first half of the day, we stick to that strict school curriculum. And the second half of the day, we spend our nature walk talking about the Oregon Trail. And if we're tired walking in a mile and a half, think about how those people were tired going over mountains with oxen and all their possessions. Then we get here and I teach them color theory or we're learning painting and how to blend colors and what that looks like. Uh, I've been teaching them about journaling. Because for me, I mean, this podcast is very similar and that I can do kind of a stream of consciousness. What's on my mind? What am I sharing? Just getting it out, right? But I find that journaling has been throughout my life since I was seven, a tool that I use to process how I'm feeling during strange times, a tool that I just use to clear my head, almost like meditation, just to dump it all out. It doesn't have to make sense. It could be about what I ate for dinner last night or how I feel the world is ending, right? But it's all just on the paper and it's such a great refuge. And I want them to have that as a tool in their toolbox as well. Maybe journaling won't resonate with them, but maybe it will. Maybe it will become a place where they can process strange feelings during this goofy time. I know my daughter has taken to it like a fish in water because she's so excited that she can have a little secret place to put her thoughts, but that nobody will know. So she's like, Betsy, well, she doesn't call me Betsy, mommy, mommy. And why did I say Betsy? I think because I'm in teacher mode now. So sometimes they're, they're calling me by a teacher, teacher kind of name versus just the mommy name. But anyway, so she says to me, she says, can I write anything I want? Things I can't even tell you. And I was like, of course, this is the perfect place. She's like, I'm going to write about all the foods I hate because she really knows that it gets my goat when we're sitting at dinner and she's telling me, I hate cucumbers. I hate broccoli. I don't want to eat Brussels sprouts. So her journal has become a place where she can dump all that feedback that she feels is censored at dinner time. Whereas my son is actually processing. I miss my friends. I miss going out to dinner. What do you guys miss? You know, now more than ever sitting at home, if you're not feeling like your home is a place you're proud of or that you feel comfortable in, it's going to make this situation extra trying. So I'm really excited to be able to answer your questions on my podcast. And hopefully with my answers, you can make that space better, even incrementally better. And that can improve your quality of life. I know it has been such a blessing for me to have this office space where we can come and do artistic things and have that home space be a space where we can either plug in to real intense learning or just plug in to cozying up together. It helps to have those zones that function as different types of atmospheres. I hope that in your space or where you're located, you're able to have those zones. New York is such a hot spot right now that we're really advised not to leave our safety zones. And I'm lucky to have two safety zones during this time. 
All right, enough about me. Let's talk about you. Let's get to your questions. Let me do my little part to make your day a little bit better. If you have questions, if there's things that are bothering you in your home, send me them at info at affordableinteriordesign.com. I have a lot of time on my hands, so I'm going to be podcasting and sharing the content with you. And so send it in. Let me know what's going on. My first question is from Ghani. Ghani writes, Hi Betsy, I heard your request for questions and I think my interior design mistakes could fill months of your podcast. Oh, by the way, guys, I cannot remember if I answered this question. I'm just going to put that out there. Ghani is a delight and she's written me several questions and this one feels fresh, but on the off chance that it isn't, just bear with me because I'm feeling a little overwhelmed and a little blue. So I'm just going to answer it again rather than not get it answered at all. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather err on the side of caution. So here we go, Ghani. I'm diving in. We moved into our new home this past September. I made almost all the design decisions and it shows. I didn't really understand your book, but now I do. Some of my choices are too modern for my sophisticated, comfy, transitional home. My greatest regret is the dark gray formica. I chose what I thought would be a nice combination of matte gray formica, off-white Caesar stone, and black handles in the kitchen. I thought the handles would make the gray look less industrial. Boy, was I wrong. It looks like I have a gray elephant in the middle of my house. I have thought of changing the handles. If so, to what type? I've also thought about adding wooden shelves to the right or left of the upper cabinets in the kitchen. What would you do? All right, let me answer this first question first, and then we'll go on to your next question. So yes, I do think that you have made some really modern choices. Your kitchen particularly has very straight lines, flat front cabinetry. The countertop is clean and straight lined and it does feel modern. However, I feel like this space could also really lend itself towards going modern. It has beams that are made of wood that are quite geometric. The space features black metals. Um, I think that you could fuse this farmhouse meets modern aesthetic. You just want to remember that when you're choosing your two word phrase, only one of them can be a style word. So you're either going to have to choose farmhouse or maybe farmhouse. You know, that's not the only way to summarize uh, this raw wood look. You could also call this somewhat industrial. I haven't seen any external photos of your house, so I I can't make sure that that would align with the complete architecture and aesthetic, but I could see this going industrial and modern feels right at home in an industrial setting, especially these black metal touches. Now you're lamenting the fact that you have used black metal handles. And I think you did just the right thing. I mean, there's so much black metal in this space from the, um, light fixtures to the joints between the beams to the um, drapery hardware that I think the black metal is right on. My question is if you shouldn't just embrace a little bit more the look you've created here because you are quite right. The furniture you have chosen is very, I wouldn't say modern. I would say contemporary or mid-century modern. 
And right now, those two looks do feel rather incongruous with the space that I see. You also have a very traditional or maybe it's transitional, I can't get close enough, dining table. And that looks really out of place with your mid-century dining chairs and then this farmhouse or industrial style space. I do think you need to go back to basics and think of that two-word phrase that encapsulates most of the pieces that you're wanting to keep because I don't want you throwing all this stuff out so you can get a transitional look, Ghani. I think that is the wrong approach. I think the right approach is to take a step back and create a two-word phrase now so that purchases going forward are laser-focused and also so that you can weed out the items that aren't working. Dining table, dining table dining table, right? I think that that will not only be the most cost-effective way to look at this problem, but it will also be the best way to fix it in a jiffy. You went on to ask another question. You write, Betsy, I can't seem to decide on my color palette. We have a dark blue sofa, a rug that was left over from our last apartment, and armchairs that have dark teal pillows. There are lots of other greens. The front door is green, the closet doors by the front door, the back doors, and there are also yellow bar stools. Our curtains are a dark natural linen. Do you see a color palette here? What should stay and what should go from our living room furniture? What color rug should we get? Should we keep this one? Should we toss the armchairs, reupholster them? If so, what color? What is missing to give this room a more designerly feel? Ghani, my answer for you is the same answer I had about your kitchen dilemma. You need to go back to basics. With the kitchen and with the living room, since it is an open concept space, you need to create that two-word phrase. Once you've gotten that two-word phrase that you can truly get behind, and you have my book, so go to that chapter and dig in and really create a phrase that you can refer to as you're shopping and designing, the next thing that you need to do, again in the book, Ghani, is find your inspiration piece. The thing that's really lacking for me in your space is artwork. There is absolutely no artwork. You don't have too many walls, what with it being an open concept space and with you having some beautiful windows and sliding doors, but there is a nice big wall above that navy sofa that could accommodate a really impactful and large piece of art that could drive the room's entire color palette. That is what I want you to find. That is where I want you to draw your inspiration. And that is, of course, where you will derive your 60, 30, 10 color palette. Go back to basics. I don't love the fact that your bar stools are a very similar style to your dining chairs. And because they are so similar, they kind of just look like the big brother version of your dining chairs, but in yellow instead of black. For me, that's just too redundant and they're right next to each other. So it's not creating that beautiful designerly contrast we're always looking for. So one of the two of those would have to go. But if you are keeping the pop of yellow, if you are keeping the navy sofa, if you are keeping the teal of the chairs, then you need to look for a piece of art or an inspiration piece, could be a rug, right, that um, incorporates those three colors in a beautiful way and that also correlates or corresponds to that two-word phrase. 
Bonnie, you have to go back to the book. You have to go back to basics and you can't solve a problem by ignoring the framework. You have to go back to the framework. See what I'm saying? All right, let me get to my next question. The next question has come from Anne. Anne writes, hello, thank you so much for answering my previous questions recently regarding how to decorate a small entryway and your thoughts on flameless candles and peel and stick paint samples were very helpful. I'm getting ready to paint my living room and dining room, and I'm feeling brave enough to choose something more interesting than off-white, but I'm confused about how colorful I can go. I don't want to make the room seem too comfortable and without adding a color that dominates everything else in the room. Here is my issue. The current color in my living room, dining room, is from the previous owner and it is a pale mint green. Not only does it not match my style or anything that I own, it also feels cold, depressing, and reminds me of an institutional setting. It feels like a hospital or a cafeteria from the 1950s or 60s. What I am looking for is a rich, neutral wall color that won't clash with my white trim or my white-ish furniture pieces like my Ikea bookcase. In my mind, my ideal wall color would be something like the color of real eggnog, maybe even a bit more bold. I want it to be yellow enough to provide a contrast to the white trim and furniture. And I want it to feel cozy and rich feeling. My style is shabby chic and family friendly. I would like to buy Benjamin Moore paint based on your recommendations but I'm so nervous. I don't want a yellowish color that has a greenish undertone, which would remind me of this current mint color. I don't mind if the walls are painted a noticeable yellow tone, but at the same time, I don't want the color to be so bold that it dominates my decor. I've been playing with the color tools on Benjamin Moore's website, but I keep talking myself out of the choices. Do you have any Benjamin Moore paint color recommendations that would meet this criteria? Thank you so much, Anne. Well, Anne, I think you're right on with thinking about a rich neutral that's saturated so that it will contrast with the white trim and white furniture. I love this idea. And you probably know if you're an avid listener that I have moved away from gray. I feel like people in general are moving away from gray and they're seeking the warmth and comfort that comes with a beige or cream. I think that you're right on trend if neutrals can ever be called trendy. Based on your requirements, I'm thinking that you should look at Benjamin Moore's muslin, which is OC12, Benjamin Moore's elephant tusk, which is OC8. Another beautiful one is white sand, OC10. These are three of my favorites that feel saturated while feeling neutral. I'm not really excited about you moving in a yellow direction. And while I love cream, I want it to have a little bit of an edge or a little bit of a sophistication so that it's not overly buttery. Another one that you could look at from the historical color collection is either, hmm, well, I think Manchester tan would be lovely. And one that I used to use a ton uh, back in the day was Powell Buff. 
It is a rich buff color that can read yellow in some lights, but it just is so saturated and it looks like you made a bold choice while still remaining a versatile neutral. And I hope this has helped and I hope it's given you some inspiration. I would love to hear about the final color that you go with. So be sure to email me at info at affordableinteriordesign.com and let me know what you picked. Okay, let's get to my next question, which is from Tama. Tama writes, Dear Betsy, I have the smallest living room in Texas. Can you suggest a living room layout that will make it look and feel like a proper space? The room is less than 15 feet by 13 feet with very little wall space against which I can place furniture. Plus, the front door opens right into the space with no entryway. There is quite a bit of traffic on that side of the room. We have tried floating this full-size sofa in the middle of the room, but it was not easy to move around and it felt wrong. We've considered side chairs in the corners opposite the sofa, but this feels really spread out and it does not feel like a true conversation zone. I suspect that some designers would suggest unconventional solutions, like replacing the sofa with a love seat, nixing the sofa and using only chairs, or removing the TV so that seating can be placed with its back to the wall. And I will consider anything. As you can see, I need a Betsy Smackdown due to all the brown, and I am planning a major overhaul using the techniques I learned from your podcast and your book. But first, I have to settle this layout. Thank you sincerely, Tama, otherwise known as Living Small in Big D. All right, Tama, I have reviewed your pictures. Now, as you may know from listening to my podcast, the one thing that I do not like to do, the one thing that's very hard for me to do is to suggest that people do a specific layout in their home. As an interior designer myself, the layout is the part that I spend the most time on. And I use my systematic master layout system, trying every possible option before I settle on a layout, no matter the space. I did this in every room in my home. It's the way I work with every single client and it is time and labor intensive. So it's why I'm not able to do it quickly on the podcast. You really need to consider a layout and to thoughtfully consider your options. It sounds to me like you have thoughtfully considered a lot of options. This space is tight. And the exciting thing about small spaces is you don't have a lot of choices. You really shouldn't get too lost here. That being said, you also want to remove unnecessary pieces. You want to take this back to basics. You want to be thinking about what the functions are in this area. You want to be thinking about how well this room is able to handle those functions. And in small spaces, you don't want to overburden your space. You don't want to ask the room to do more than it can handle. Right now, you're asking it to be a mudroom a TV room, a seating area, an area to entertain guests. Additionally, I can see that you have a secretary desk in here and you have storage in here for both the dining area and maybe some books or tchotchkes. I mean, that is just a lot going on. I would suggest narrowing down the functions so that you're not asking the room to do so much. And I do think that while the sofa and TV placement are a little bit tricky, I think that your idea of putting the hooks for the coats behind the front door feels very problematic. 
uh, rather on the wall that is adjacent to the front door, you do have a big open space where you have just two uncomfortable looking chairs. I think that that might be a better place for that entry solution, especially if this area does get a lot of foot traffic. If it is the primary way that you and your family come into this space, I think you need to consider this layout more and stop asking this room to do so very much. One compliment I do want to give you is that I am loving this artwork. You have a lot of really interesting art, but I challenge the places that you've been hanging it. I'm not sure why your TV is about 18 inches above your TV console. You say you read my book and listen to my podcast. We need to get it together here. See, there's your Betsy Smackdown, Tama. It's more about those things that are easily eyeballed on a podcast and less about those things that need to be strategically considered. I ask you to strategically consider your choices in here and stop overburdening this cute yet cozy space. Guys, are you feeling overburdened by everything that's going on right now? Are you feeling overwhelmed, a little bit lost, but hopefully healthy? I'm sending you all, no matter where you are in the United States or in the world, my best wishes for a quick bounce back from this situation, for a healthy time for you and your family, and for you to find something new. One thing that I've been asking during this crisis is that hopefully myself and my family will come through this in a healthy way. And if we do come through this healthy and happy, that it changes us a little bit, that it adjusts our perspective. And we don't just go back to living life how it was before, but we dig in even deeper. I've always felt that interior design was my calling because it can change people's lives. But sometimes I get so in the day and day, day to day of my business with QuickBooks and spreadsheets and payroll that I can't tap into that as much as I want. So I'm looking forward to having this be the reason that I recommit to the passion that I had for this field and that I still have and for the change I feel it can make. Is there something in your life that can make change? Is there a passion in your life that you've kind of lost sight of? Maybe we can all rekindle that together during this time of pause and reflection. Sending you so much love, guys. I'll see you next time. Bye. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.